This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asian Torah in the Old City of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. Please share this onward if you're watching it on any of my various channels. And uh, certainly if you're on Facebook, please subscribe. Uh, sorry, please like. YouTube, please subscribe. And if you're on Torah Anytime also, please subscribe to that as well. And that way you'll get your notifications. You can tune in almost every day depending on how responsible I'm being. Now, I had a really embarrassing thing happen to me yesterday, so it's just an amazing topic today. A terribly embarrassing thing is I had, a, I had an appointment with, a, uh, with what I thought was an osteopath, which is an alternative healer who works on, like, bone alignment and stuff. I'm a, basically a health freak, so I, I like... I'm, I'm, I'm generally in the natural world of health. And, and so I show up at, uh, thank God, my particular, I think every, every different uh, national insurance company has this, but certainly ours does. It's called Maccabi TV. I'm part of Maccabi, and it's called Maccabi TV means Maccabi Natural Healing. And you can literally, on your kupa, on your, uh, how do you say kupa, your, your package, your health care package, because Israel's health care is socialized. You don't have to pay for health care here. And uh, you can actually go get reflexology, reflexology, you can get a massage, you know, Swedish massage, shiatsu, you know, and it's all, you just slide your card. They make you pay like a little bit extra than you would for the free, free medical. You know, you got to pay something for it. But it's this beautiful place with like new age music and tea being served and bean bags and stuff. And it's all part of the national insurance, which is... Quite amazing. Anyway, I thought I was showing up to the the uh, osteopath. Except, guess what? Oh, no. They're like, "Okay, you can go in now." I go in. It's not the it's not the um, osteopath. Instead, it is the naturopath. <laughs> so I go in. Uh, by the way, this is Aviva. Those who don't know Aviva, she's in charge of laughing at jokes. Okay. Now there won't always be a time where there was a joke before the laughter. But she's your cue. You know, in like tele- television shows, they used to put up the laugh sign, you know, in the 50s. So Aviva will let you know when it's time to laugh. Okay? Now, the, uh, anyway, it turned out to be the natural path. And I was just like swallowing my tongue. I was like, oh, no. Why? Because I totally neglected what he had asked me to do six weeks earlier. And he was so excited to meet me because he couldn't wait to see whether me drinking celery juice, meaning boiling celery for 20 minutes, and then drinking two full cups of it a day for six weeks, what that would do for my uric acid levels. I've never heard of uric acid. But apparently my uric acid levels were higher than normal and that he felt that they should be brought down drinking celery juice. And the other thing was... Vitamin B12 under the tongue three times a day, but not at night. Amongst various other things, like not eating meat, not eating chocolate, not eating this, not eating that, not eating the other thing, and not drinking red wine. Anyway, I mean, I was caught with my pants down, totally. <laughs> I mean, I think I ate some, drank some celery juice for like two weeks at the beginning. Vitamin B12, I like, they wound up selling me a liquid version for some reason that was putting me to sleep, so I put that aside. So here I was, standing in front of this, sitting in front of this natural path, and I could not help think of Jordan Peterson's, I think, first chapter of the 
book of the whatever it's called, the Twelve Rules for Living or Twelve Rules for Life. And the first chapter is, goes into detail into detail after how people don't take care of themselves, and that people are more likely to give their dog medication and neglect themselves from taking the medication that was prescribed to them. Like we will literally treat ourselves worse than most people. And I think that chapter was called "Treat Yourself as as Someone Who You Care For." <laughs> Meaning, there are people you care for, and you treat them a certain way. Don't treat yourself worse than that. Which is wild, because all of us do that. All of us will treat ourselves worse than we'll treat someone that we care for. So treat yourself as if you're someone that you care for. <laughs> Here I was, I mean, I, when I read that chapter, I was like, yeah, a lot of people do that, but not me. I would never do that. And here I was, I, I was that guy. And now I'm like promising this natural path. I said, I promise you, I'm not that guy. I'm just not that guy. It's just, I, I've been, it's, in these six weeks, I've been out of the country five times. You know, I'm being hosted by these random people in New York. I'm like, do you mind making me celery juice, please? <laughs> you know, like, that's not going on. And the B12, I was just so busy, I didn't even think about the B12, you know, under the tongue. You know, like, I just totally forgot. And I was, here I am convincing him I'm not the guy who neglects himself. But here I was, the guy who neglects himself. <coughs> and it was, it was quite uh, exposing and, and uncomfortable. And, um, and, and it really is not me. And even today, I, today my day was like, meaning my morning was, was total self-care. I mean, it, was, it was first a cup of coffee. That's self-care, especially if you wake up like me. You know, I, I, it takes. What time do you wake up? <laughs> so, anywhere between seven and nine, depending how late I went to sleep. But I never, ever <laughs> sleep less than seven hours. Never less than seven hours. So I go to midnight, I'm up at 7. Oh, by the way, I don't sleep more either. If I wake up more, I wake up groggy. If I sleep less, I wake up cranky. And, and, but if I sleep 7, I'm a mess for about an hour. Because glazers just don't wake up well at all. And we just don't wake up well. Thank God I healed my digestive system through my work, the possibility of seminars, the seminar I run. I literally was going to have my colon removed by a doctor. <laughs> because I could not digest food anymore, so they were going to have to take out the colon just so I could put food in my body. What good's food in the body without a colon? I'm not sure, because that's where the nutrients get digested. But they, it was bad. And I healed my colon through the possibility of seminar, and, uh, which I've been running now for 18 years. And, uh, oh, and I have one in Muncie this week. That's an announcement. Uh, th- this coming Sunday, I will be starting a men's seminar around noon, and then a women's seminar starts on Monday, in, is in Muncie, New York. If you know anyone in Muncie, if you're from there, or people fly in all the time, you can fly in from anywhere and join the seminar. You will not be disappointed. It'll be the best five days, four days of your life. Um, anyway, but before I healed my digestion, I couldn't drink coffee, obviously, because it's so acidic to the body. And, and, uh, and so waking up was really rough. Did you say it's Hasidic? <laughs> Speaking of Hasidic, I... I you know, glazers, as I said, don't wake up well. So I was visiting our Hasidic cousins in Queens, New York. And here I was, this like newly observant guy, the hero of their side of the family that I became observant because it was so exciting to them that I became observant. And, and they, so what happened? I wake up in the morning. They said Shachris is going to be at 8 a.m. I wake up at 
I look at my watch. It was like violins playing from a horror movie. And I'm like, no. Because, you know, I'm humiliated that I missed Shachas. So I go running down to the kitchen and I say to, to Mrs. Glazer, my, uh, my, my cousin Yitti, I say to her, just tell me what's shul there, there and I'll run over there. And she looks at me and she says, shul? Everybody's in bed. We're glazers. And then I realize how deep it goes that these like, <laughs> like seriously removed cousins have a terrible time waking up in the morning. <laughs> Anyway, but this morning I started with a cup of coffee and then immediately I'm in the mikvah. And in the mikvah, the first I schmoozed with the guy for a little while in the hot, in the hot pool. And then uh, and I did my dunks and then I went to the cold pool just to tighten up my skin to get into the boiling pool, which is 113 degrees, something like that. It's hot. I get in there and there I relax for a while. Just get the muscles relaxed from because when you're asleep at night, your muscles are like in one position for hours, and you need to loosen those muscles up. Then I go back to the cold pool, and there I stretch for stretch for like ten minutes, <coughs> ten minutes of intensive stretching, suspended by water, which is amazing way to isolate muscles is to stretch in a, in a pool. So, and after that, I did forty five minutes of yoga back in my house, and you know, really intensive yoga. Not to mention. Uh, I don't even know, maybe over a hundred sit-ups, uh, wow. and then uh, and then lots and lots of push-ups, and, um, and then a full yoga session. Then I did a forty-five minute meditation, and and just stared at the name of God amongst various other names and various psukim that are inside my little my little micro temple experience over there. Meditation. meditation on names of God and stuff, yeah. and various psukim and. And uh, I did that for another 45 minutes. And after that, I went to pray. Then I started my prayers. I'm, a, I'm into self-care. I'm into it. But what is going on with us that will neglect ourselves? What's going on with us that will neglect ourselves? And I know that for I just had you know, this morning while I was doing the sit-ups. I remember I was coming in on my next set. And every fiber of my being wanted to just keep laying on my back. You know that feeling? You just don't want to do the sit-up. It's good once you get going. Then you're like, all right, you're in reps. But before you start those reps, there's a part of you that just doesn't want to do it. And, and that part of us is a deep part of us that wants to fade away. <clears throat> wants to fade away. Because think about it. You're, you don't have stomach muscles. Don't expect good posture. Because that's your core muscles. That's what holds you up. And so, how are you going to have good posture if you don't have core, core muscles? And how are you going to get core muscles if you don't... Either you're a laborer, like people used to work in the fields, constantly bending down and raising up, like using those core muscles all the time. I also did back lifts. I did, I don't know how many back lifts as well. Laying on my stomach and then arching up my chest like a surfer paddles his board. And I, and I hold that and breathe and go down and then hold it and breathe, working on the back muscles. Part of us wants to fade away. <laughs> Did someone just ask if that's the Yitzhahara? Did you just bring up the Yitzhahara in my classroom? Oh, I see. We, we never discuss the Yitzhahara. How often do you all hear me say the word Yitzhahara? Why not? Like, we almost never discuss it. 
You want? You, you never even heard me say it, probably. No. All these years. Yeah, yeah you, all these years. Yeah, you know why? You know why I never say the word Yetzirah? Because whenever you use the word Yetzirah, that's a perfect way to keep letting it kill you. Yeah. See, Yetzirah loves broad categories <coughs> and never to deal with what's really going on. See, it's just a big platitude, the Yetzirah. Meaning we use it, it becomes a platitude, and then it can do whatever it wants because you've never quite distinguished what it's up to. And so... I know there is a Yetzirah. I mean, believe me, I'm very well aware there's a Yetzirah. But I never discuss the Yetzirah. I only discuss what the Yetzirah is up to. Even in this class right now, we're discussing what the Yetzirah is up to. But we never, the Yetzirah, you get it out of your vocabulary. Just knock it out. I'll run whole programs for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on end, which is all really coming, the issues we're dealing with are really Yetzirah issues. And I'll never let those, those two words leave my mouth. And not from a superstitious region. It's just that that's a perfect way to never grow. Is to leave it as this kind of amorphous theme. Yeah? And that's a great way to never get ahead in life. Never get yourself put together. <coughs> you, you, our job is always to, to identify, to GPS what Yetzirah, and which exactly, where is that exactly inside of you? Where, what is that place? Okay, I want to go deeper, but I'm thinking we need a little music. Is someone recording this, or is that just your phone? Anyone have iTunes? Yes. Yeah. Oh, great, you have iTunes? Yeah. So go, we'll do the one we did yesterday. Go to Tranquil Sleep, and then the second track of Tranquil Sleep. It should be called, like, Bliss or Pure Bliss. Tell me what it's called, I'm kind of wondering. Uh, Tranquil Sleep. Make sure your phone's on, do not this I feel like I need a little music to draw me into this one. Found it? Yeah, that sounds helpful. I think the second track is pure bliss. <coughs> um, should be a, should have like a blue icon. Actually, it's not. I think I don't know how to spell it properly. T R A U U I L. Is that right? Let me see this. Okay, it seems like something is wrong. You think I know how to spell tranquil? First of all, are we in iTunes right now? You should be, yeah. Apple Music. We're in Apple Music. But you're under your library. Where's the rest? Oh, is that what the problem was? Yeah, where's the rest of the world? It's not even offering the bigger library. Oh. This is only your library. Are you sure you subscribe to this? Yeah. You're paying 10 bucks a month for this? My dad. Wait, but I... Are you on the family plan? Yeah. This ain't... Pulling it up. You know, it might, it might have been broken. What's the title called? Okay, yeah. Oh, thank you so you much. Can someone hit? Well, okay. I'm good. I just didn't want to bump the cable. <coughs> thank you so much. What, what's the name of it anyway? Tranquil Sleep. I don't why it's not working. Yeah. What is this, by the way? This isn't iTunes. Google Play. Oh, yeah, it's not here. Maybe it's. I'm still kind of scrolling through. I feel bad. I'm doing this in the middle of a live feed. This is like really bad. I cut it out. You'll cut it out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Thank you so much. This doesn't work. Here's something called tranquil sleep. Can I tell you, all you Apple users, spend ten bucks a month and get. Any Apple users in here? Is it on Spotify? You spend, forget Spotify. You get 10 bucks a month. It's set and forget. 
and your music's worth it, you just you can be riding a bike, you can be doing anything. You drive your car, you just say, "Hey Siri, play X," and she starts playing it. Good luck doing that with Spotify. And and there's no commercials and there's no nothing. And the same with Google Play. Really? Yeah. Same thing. How much does that cost a month? Same. Ten bucks a month. Yeah. Great, right? Yeah. It's totally worth it. Yes. When there's certain things. Yeah, I mean that's not it, but let me see here a little. There's certain things that you never ever save money on, ever. One of those things is music. You don't save money on music. Okay, you don't sit in the back of a concert. You can buy the cheap tickets and move up, but you don't save money on music ever. That's not where the savings are. Not in your car stereo. Not in your not in your live whatever your play system is. Yeah, you save money all kinds of ways. One of them's not music. You never save money on music. Another one, you never save money on mitzvahs. Never save money on mitzvahs. If someone, it's, if you're buying a pair of tefillin, the guy says that's seven hundred fifty bucks, which is a pretty nice pair of tefillin. You don't say, "Can you mind doing it for seven hundred? Okay, that's a great way for God to spotlight the um, spotlight something you own that you that's extra. You know, like we buy all kinds of stuff. Like I didn't ask for a cheaper stereo when I bought my stereo, or I didn't ask for the cheaper car package when I bought my car. So why am I suddenly trying to get a discount on a mitzvah? You want to spend as much as possible on your lulav and esrog. When you buy a mezuzah, you want the finest scribe, the kind of guy who, when he goes to the mikvah before he writes the name of God, he like really—he's not just dunk, dunking; he's really getting in there and purifying himself. Another place not to save money is on your wife. (laughs) She'll take care of that, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Another couple places is uh, if you have a sport you love, never save money there. Never save money there. You should be on the best equipment that money can buy in your sport. If you're lucky, if it's soccer, but if it's like I don't know, like my sports, mountain biking, yeah, you're gonna be spending a lot of money on bikes. But spend the money. Body armor. Don't, don't go for the China knockoff. That's your body. You know, anyway. Another thing is food. Um, don't save money on food. When, and I'm talking about healthy food. Don't save money on healthy food. You're, it's cheaper to eat junk, but that's where you spend your money. My wife and I made a pact when we got married that we're going to eat only healthy food in this house. We're going to have like the healthiest food, and we're never going to look at how much it costs. It's up to God. God gives us these bodies. This is my temple. It houses the soul. And and food's got to be like exactly what my body's going to best assimilate. And I'm not going to look at how much that costs because God's the one who created me. And he gave me this body. And if all I'm doing is making sure it's at peak health by the food I put in it, I don't have to look at how much it costs because God's going to pay the bill. On, the, on that he's the one who gave me the body and so never save money on um, never save money on, on healthy food 
really go for, you know, the top healthy food. Is there some other area that you're never to save? This is the never to save money topic we're doing. It says any time you can't save money. Oh, yeah, we have a halacha. Never to save money on Shabbos, which is really weird. I mean, that's really strange. But, like, however you honor the Shabbos is how you honor the Shabbos. So if you're having, like, a... a, Let's say that week you have less money. So... My mother-in-law thinks she can find me here. The... I'll be right back. Um, is the virtue then generosity? Is that what you're saying? One thing I just want to mention about Shabbos is that uh, if you're used to a certain Shabbos, you don't have any money one week, so you have to borrow. Borrow money. And I'll tell you a little trick I learned as a young Colo guy who had no money most of the time. You're, you know, when I got married... 25 years ago. So there were many weeks I had no money. But I learned a great trick. Is always shop in the same stores. Every week. Always shop in the same stores. You develop relationships with these people. So there were many, many Shabbos over the years where I had no money for Shabbos. And I didn't have to borrow a penny. I just went to the same stores that I always go to. And I said to them, I don't have any money this week for this. And, And they're just like, pay me another week. And they would do that weeks at a time. They didn't seem to care. They knew I lived there. and I'd been living there for a while. Wasn't going anywhere. And I literally had, had Shabbos after Shabbos paid for by the people who lived in the Shuk. Uh, sorry, the people who work in the Shuk. But here's the thing. There are a lot of stands in the Shuk. And so you might wind up, you might wind up going to you know, different stands each time. Bad idea. Figure out the ones that work for you. Go to the same one every time. And you get to know the person. And they'll, they'll just take care of you forever. I mean, I, I, I think I got to one point where the, the shook is the drink stores, the meat stores, the fish stores, the, the you know, challah place, the, the salads place. I think I got up to sometimes six weeks straight of not, not forking over a penny to them. And, and we ate our regular Shabbos meal every single week. Like that, and that—that's the beauty of going to the same store every time. And the um, another, just uh, while we're on that subject, I just want to talk about the the uh, when I was a poor yeshiva avrech, which was uh, it's when you when guys get married before you get married, you're in yeshiva, whatever, and then when you get married, uh, you you keep learning Torah for at least a year. Meaning, no girl's going to marry you if you're not going to learn Torah for a year. And, she, and they'll put up with any amount of lack to have a man learn Torah for a year. And some will learn more. Like my wife said, she's not marrying me if I don't commit to three years of learning. And I'd already learned three years straight. I learned 23 to 26 full time, including night sale. And she was like, no less than three years. You know, I'll do what I got to do. I'll live how I got to live. But you're learning Torah for three years. So I wound up learning for five. Actually, I did three, three storm a day for five years straight after I, after I married my wife. And we had no money sometimes. I mean, really no money. And our parents weren't even that excited about this whole thing. So we were kind of getting smoked out from them and, and trying to smoke us out of the house. And, and, um, but one beautiful story is uh, 
I hadn't paid my rent for three months, which is you know pretty irresponsible. I think all of us, one point or another, didn't have money for rent, but you're still living there, and you gotta like, you know, like whatever, either figure it out eventually, but hope for the miracle. Anyway, nothing had really happened. I, I don't fundraise, and here I was. the The landlord calls me, and he says, he says, "Listen, tomorrow's three months." And you know what my rent was then? My rent was $400 a month. $400 a month. For, can you imagine not having $400 a month? My rent was $400 a month, and we lived in two little rooms. The front room had room enough for a table. The back room had, it was big enough for, for my wife and I, and then we had an accordion partition where my, where my children uh, slept, all on one bed. At one point, we had four kids in one bed which was really awesome. And I, I want to tell you something about those times because I grew up in a mansion in West Los Angeles with like <coughs> chefs and driver and keep people keeping the grounds and the pool man and the tennis court blower and all these, you know, like it was really, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, elite type of upbringing I had. My wife also like grew up in a big mansion. Her father retired when he was 40. And, and... You know, the only way I got to Israel was from my father's bankruptcy. So I wound up with a scholarship trip. I took the free ticket. And my wife has her own story how she got here. But her parents weren't offering anything. My parents didn't have anything to offer. <laughs> they weren't offering. My parents had nothing to offer. And here we were living like this, the two of us in a room with four kids in one bed, meaning two heads there, two heads there with their feet intermingled. And, and then my wife and I on the other side of an accordion partition. And I want to tell you something. The happiest I've ever been in my life is now, and yesterday and the day before that, but this was the happiest time. I mean, the most meaningful, powerful time of my life. Spiritually, I was learning full-time Torah. I was learning all morning, all afternoon, and a couple hours a night. My prayers, when I would step into Shemone Esrei and go into, go into my prayers... It was probably every Shemona Yesterday was 45 minutes. Three times a day of this, just the silent meditation that most people knock off in like two and a half, three minutes. It's 45 minutes every time. Our Shabbos meals were in heaven. I still meet people who are at those meals who just say like they never... And the bathroom was next to the table. It's like the whole time you're in the bathroom, you're just like... <laughs> Like, do you guys mind singing Zmiros? <laughs> it was so awkward to have that bathroom there. And what could we do? We were living in this tin can. But it really, I have to say that it was one of the richest moments of my life. Like, really one of the richest times of my entire life. And the, the neighbors, how they kind of rallied for us. You know, they were, they lived that way for generations in Jerusalem. We live in a neighborhood that's in Jerusalem now for 200 years. So they, they saw us and just took care of us. I mean, we were sleeping on beds they provided. They, they, we had a baby. The crib came from some other neighbor. They didn't even ask. They just brought. We were invited out anytime we wanted to eat in one of their houses. They had no money. But here's the, here's the real story that just blew me away. The landlord says, listen, Either come and pay 1200 bucks tomorrow or you're out. Because, like, <laughs> it's not a free apartment. You know, I'm, I need the rent money. And so I go to my night Seder as usual. I got a chavrusa at night. And I'm sitting in shul 
near my house, a block away, and uh, meaning the next courtyard. I actually live under the shul that I'm telling the story about now, but then I live the courtyard next to it. And I'm sitting in shul, and this, um, my chavrusa, that means my learning partner, my chavrusa says to me, what's wrong with you? Like, you're not here. You're like totally distracted. And I told him the story. I said, listen, I, I, my wife has no idea, but we're moving out tomorrow. <laughs> and we don't know where we're going because we don't have any money. And, we, and I owe $1,200 tomorrow, like tomorrow morning. And it's now the middle of the night. And, you know, it's like we're having this conversation. And when he finally realized I can't concentrate, it was like 1030 at night. So, so he said, okay, I get it. You know? Anyway, so we spoke a little more, learned a little more. And then I start walking home. Right before I get to my door, a man comes running up to me. He says, he says, listen, I sit in front of you at night where you learn. I sit in the row in front of you. And you can't see each other because there's big backrests on each thing because that's the, the backrest becomes the stender of the person who prays behind. So I, I never even saw this guy before. You know, he just was like some crunchy-looking yeshiva guy. You know, and... Uh, Looked like he desperately needed, a, desperately needed a dry cleaner for his suit. Oh. And um, anyway, this guy walks up to me. He says, "Listen, I speak a little English, and I couldn't help but over, but I couldn't help but overhear that you're about to leave our neighborhood, you know, tomorrow." And he says, "I have enough money this month for my own family. Here's twelve hundred dollars. Just pay your landlord." I said, but I have no idea when I can pay this back. And he's like, don't pay it back. Just take it. And I started crying. And went home and didn't even tell my wife. I didn't want her to know how bad it was. And, uh, and I paid the landlord the next day. And that was the last time in my life that that, that ever happened to me. I never ever had a situation like that. I mean, I wasn't a chronic. Some of these guys are chronic. You know, we all know some people are chronic. You know, and by the way, I, I help chronic people. You know, I have a guy who calls me. I have a guy who calls me once in a while and just, you know, says his kids. It's his turn with the kids. And, you know, he just needs 200 shekels just to be able to get some food for them. Or sometimes he has, he's couch surfing, so sometimes he has to take an Airbnb or something just to have a place for his kids. And, uh, and he's totally chronic, but I'll be there for him when I can. And uh, anyway, but, the, but this guy chose the right address to do this with. Now, I found out later, you know, I got to know the guy a little bit. I found out later that he was living in the same situation as me, only five kids in, one, in his bedroom with an accordion partition. He had five kids in his bedroom. And this guy had no money at all. Like, I got to know him over the years. This guy was totally broke. And I, I walked up to him and asked him, like, what was that? You know, years later, I asked him, what was that? He says, I'm telling you, like, that money came from heaven. Because somehow, like, I don't know, someone sent me a check for, like, two grand or something, which I, you know, wasn't in my budget at all. I changed the check and heard your story and took care of you. But little things like that, 
little moves like that can put someone on a map for their life. Can restore someone's faith and trust. Had I moved out or had I gone to work at that point, I would never, I wouldn't be standing here today, that's for sure. So I want to share with you one more amazing story. <coughs> it, and this story is, um, dates back 28 years. You can go, you gotta go? Yeah. This story dates back 28 years. The, um, at the time I was a millennial Marxist and uh, a- a- atheist millennial Marxist and I thought marrying a Jew was racist and I thought getting married was irresponsible because of overpopulation and lack of resources and meanwhile on a split screen level this institution, Asia Torah, had a program called the Jerusalem Fellowships. And the Jerusalem Fellowships, what they were doing is they were bringing 150 kids, which is three buses, a couple floors of a hotel, and trips all over the country, and Shabbatons and everything, a six-week experience, scholarship, that like Ivy League-type kids, like you know, scholar, scholar types, put-together types, can come and be part of this whole experience here in... Uh, in Jerusalem. And what happened was the Gulf War broke out. And this is 1991, 1990, 1991. The Gulf War broke out with Saddam Hussein. And and uh, who was he fighting against? The U.S. And the um, and he was he was lobbing Scud missiles into Israel. Now every Scud missile that landed into Israel. Aisha Torah would get a phone call saying they would get like 15 phone calls saying that we're not coming meaning we're not sending our child or, or the kid themselves said we're not coming and so but it was like scuds were falling every day throughout the winter and it was a trip for June it was a June trip and, but every day 15 more kids were gone so then they were like okay one less bus so they called the bus company like two buses and then, uh, you know, called the hotel, and they're like, two floors. And it just kept going like that. And then eventually they called the bus company, they're like, okay, one bus. And called the hotel, we need one floor. And, you know, and then start calling staff saying, we don't need you, you know, because we just, you know, we don't need that much staff. But then more Scud missiles fell. And when the number got down to 29, they had a leadership meeting of the group that, you know, that was organizing this trip. They had a leadership meeting and, and, um, and canceled the thing because it's not, it's not even a bus. 29 people is not a bus. Buses hold 50. And it wasn't even a bus. It was such a different animal at that point. And who knows if more scud missiles are going to fall and they're just like, it's over. Canceled. Ten days later, the wife of a yeshiva guy comes in pretty excited that she finally finished the six week program you know a beautiful brochure with a six week program and what's happening with each day because this was before email there was no internet at the time and she walks in with it goes up to the head of the program and says 
here's here's the here's the program and the guy looks at her and he's like oh my gosh i am so sorry she's like what she says we canceled this trip 10 days ago and this woman's like this woman's like i mean it's hard to call a woman a nerd but in this case you could this is like coke bottle glasses She's, she's a cola wife. Very introverted. Like, very introverted. Like, really prefers to be left to herself in her computer and her graphic design work. And she says to the head of the program, she says, so how many kids you said were left? And he said 29. And she's like, but you have 29 secular Jews interested in coming to Jerusalem for six weeks, and you're not going to bring them? And he explained to her how logistically it's just not going to be, it's not a go. And she's like, well, I don't understand how you can do that. Because there are 29 kids who are willing to come to learn Torah in Jerusalem. And he's like, I explained to you already. It's just, it's a different animal. We've canceled it. It's over. People, we've sent people back to America we're flying in for this like it's not happening and she says I don't think you can do that I don't think you can stand before God and go into this summer knowing that 29 kids were willing to come live and come learn in Israel for six weeks and he says to her listen lady if you think we should run it you run it and she said I will Now, me thinking marrying a Jew was ra racism and thinking there wasn't even a God. I'm graduating University of California, Santa Barbara, UCSB, you can study buzz. I'm graduating in a week. My father's gone bankrupt, so he can't even give me the promised round the world ticket for surfing internationally. Two year promise that I could surf for two years straight. Just keep touring the globe. Lost all his money, couldn't deliver. I became the 30th person of those 29. All these university Ivy League people and then one serious hippie from Santa Barbara. And <laughs> she was pretty interesting lady to be leading our trip. It was pretty out of the box. But she did it and she did a great job and all of our lives were changed. All 30 of us, all 30 of us are observant today. And many of the 30 are Torah leaders today. Names you've heard of. And the females are, are not only, many of them are in leadership positions, but many of them are married to like really big, powerful, like rabbis in the world today are making massive differences. One of them is married to an H rabbi. <laughs> I'm sorry, she's married to our madrich. He was our madrich, and they got married. That was the Glazers, who are now in New Jersey somewhere. The lesson from this is that is that. Sometimes we feel that we are um, ill-equipped 
to get something done. Sometimes we just feel like you got the wrong guy. And many of us feel that about a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, our best example is Moses. I mean, Moses certainly felt this way. Moses was like, God, at the burning bush, Moses was like, you know, let my people go, you know. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt's land. And Moses is like, hello, God, like, don't you realize I shepherd sheep, not people? And God's like, you got an amazing skill set, man. Go shepherd the Jews for 40 years across the desert. And Moses argued a couple more times, but eventually gave in and, and took care of business. But we're all being asked to step into positions. Now, obviously, for a living, you want to do what's perfectly right for you. But, but we're, all, we're often being asked to wear hats that aren't naturally ours. But if you want to live in a world of what I call LSD, which stands for Large Siata Dishmaya. It's Aramaic, large. Siata Dishmaya means divine, um, how do you say that? Uh, how do you say, divine assistance? If you want to live in large divine assistance, when you see that there's a need you can go fill roles that you are exact, couldn't even be like the opposite of your skill sets or the opposite of your personality type. I'm not talking about for a living. You never do that for a living because then you, you die young from overstretching yourself. That's not what you, how you spend the bulk hours of life. But to be able to step into a role, to make that difference is exactly what happens when there's a deep need for something. Okay. Everyone be blessed. Good Shabbos. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.